for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, one of the best sporting weekends and weeks, best sporting weeks of the year. We had the Final Four, the championship game last night, and baseball is in full swing. That is the Masters. It's like, and now last year's Masters got pushed back to the fall, right? Right. So, so we've, we're so, having our second Masters in the space of like seven months or something. Yeah. Yes. I so. did kind of watch a little bit of it last time, just because you know, coming off the pandemic, it was like, hey, any sports is better than no sports. But yeah. yeah, I probably won't be paying as much attention this time. Yeah, I'll be in Arizona with my dad, and we'll. We'll play golf and watch golf, and I don't know what Gilbert, my husband, is going to do, but uh, <laughs> he'll have to watch us watch golf or just spend more time out in the pool or something like that. Uh, by the way, everybody could notice, as, as Zib noticed real quickly when we started talking before I flipped on the mic, that I sound like shit, uh, and uh, I feel uh, this is something where Everything in life could be a Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. I could hear the tubas from Curb Your Enthusiasm playing right now because um, I, I've had for last. I, I've had some allergies. Matt asked me if I had COVID. I said, no, I can taste this IPA I'm drinking right now in the Canary's office. So I think I'm good with that. I have spring, I, I'm pretty sure it's spring allergies because, of course, we've had this big uptick in temperature lately, right? And... Uh, and my allergies have reacted horribly the last couple of days. And uh, nose was running. And then uh, it was running profusely at like noon today. So I go down the street to get uh, some overpriced um, allergy pills because I didn't bring any from home. And those worked like within a half hour, Zim. It cleared up my nose and I wasn't sneezing in my arm anymore. My eyes weren't dry. And then by 5 o'clock today, it was working so well, my nose was completely stuffed up. And so, yeah, now I sound like uh, I sound like Sioux Falls native Pat O'Brien. I don't even have to like try to sound like Pat O'Brien anymore. Uh, I have no nasal passages at the moment, and I went and got some Afrin and uh, the nasal spray, and that doesn't work. So, there you go. Thanks for the play-by-play on that. Well, you're welcome. You were wondering before, so uh, I wasn't really wondering. I was just commenting <laughs> on the fact that you sounded like you had a cold. So I'm gonna. So from here on out, I'm gonna let you do a lot of the talking, so no one has to hear me anyway, which is the way most people like it anyway. Um, I mean, what do you make? What do you make of last night's uh, big finale to the college basketball season? It felt off, off, awfully anticlimactic. After I, I agree, was one of the best games of basketball I think I'll ever see in my lifetime on Saturday with Gonzaga and UCLA. Last night was just kind of a bummer. Yeah, it was a little disappointing. Um, what was weird to me was how it seemed like a lot of people saw it coming. You know, and I'm certainly not taking credit for that myself. I don't pay that much attention to college basketball outside of the regional stuff. And uh, you know, Gonzaga was undefeated and trying to be the first team to do that since whenever. Um, I actually picked Gonzaga to get beat by Iowa in the tournament because uh, I figured giving them a second shot at them, you know, they have the best player in the country. And I was just kind of trying to get cute with my bracket because nothing I ever try ever works. Um, so it's not like I didn't believe in Gonzaga and it was funny as the tournament moved on, I started feeling stupider and stupider about not picking them to win it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, okay, I guess this was a foregone conclusion. And I was the one idiot who didn't know that. Um, but then you get into the final four and Baylor wins convincingly over Houston. Gonzaga struggles with an 11 seed UCLA. And it was really kind of funny how it seemed like the narrative 
kind of was changing pretty quickly. There were a lot of people on on Twitter and that that I you know follow college basketball a lot closer than I do. They were like, Baylor's going to win this game. Like this, that Baylor, regardless of what the Vegas odds or whatever, and I think they're pretty close. They're like, this is Baylor's game to lose. And Gonzaga, you know, whatever mid-major team, or they don't play anybody, whatever the the narrative was. So you know, they jump out to this nine nothing lead. They control the game start to finish, and instead of feeling like this huge upset, you know, like this historic, oh my god, undefeated team, you know, they slay the dragon. It didn't feel like that at all to me. Anyway, no. it kind of like, well, this is what a lot of people said was going to happen, and. Um, it kind of, you know, brought back those conversations about, you know, does Gonzaga deserve to be a number one seed all the time? And, you know, do they really play anybody? And how does that, you know, impact how good they really are and compared to some of the other Blue Bloods? Because um, I don't know if they're ever going to win a national championship. They've obviously been close a couple times now. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a cool story for Baylor. I mean, they, they kind of fall a little bit into the Oral Roberts category, the conversation we had a couple weeks ago, a school that there are a lot of reasons not to root for them. Um, but you know, that doesn't necessarily have to include Scott drew and the basketball players. That was a fun team to watch, you know, and it was hard not to be impressed by and have an appreciation for how well they played on both sides of the floor, uh, to win that game really convincingly. And I think I agree with you. It wasn't as exciting of a game, especially in, um, given how good the Gonzaga UCLA game was and really how good the tournament was, you know, it was a great tournament Yeah, and it would have been nice to have something closer to a you know, a, a classic to, to send us out. But I still think just overall drama of it and the, the, the number one seed, the undefeated team getting, like I said, sort of upset in the championship was still a pretty cool way for it to end. And I think, you know, a lot of people I know like me stay and watch the entire stupid post game show just so we can, just so we can see one shining moment. Yeah. And it seems like CBS makes us wait longer and longer and longer. Oh, they do. Year. Yeah. They know that we're going to sit there and watch their garbage interview, forty-five minute crap, so yep. that we can hear the stupid song. Yeah. Um, but yep. But I but I do think that uh this year there was definitely a sense of I mean, we were already going to appreciate this tournament, March Madness, extra because we didn't have it last year. And I certainly watched more games in this tournament, probably of any NCAA tournament I've watched since the Gophers made the Final Four in nineteen ninety seven. I watched a ton of basketball throughout this tournament and there were so many good games and it was really fun and really great to be reminded how much we missed that yeah. and how, how great sports can be and kind of get us really excited thinking about when the pandemic is fully behind us and we can go back to sports as we used to know it. Uh, so I think that's the big takeaway here is just there was what one, I think VCU had to forfeit. There was one cancellation out of the whole tournament. Otherwise it went off great and it was an awesome tournament. And that I just think, I just have a lot of appreciation for that. It was a great NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think because of all that, the appreciation and getting it back, perhaps, it, I don't know about you, but for me, it, it allowed me to detach myself from these annual discussions that I always felt like I had to have as a sports fan, but also as someone who hosted a daily sports talk radio show during this time of year about the state of college basketball and if it's a good product or not. And uh, if it's, you know, if it's cheapened by the one and duds, I mean, that's a 10 year old topic now. Uh, mm-hmm. If the quality of play is worse and uh, the three point line is too lubes too large. And I, I just enjoyed games and some games were grinded out. You know, I mean, Houston, a lot of like that Houston team was ugly to watch. Uh, UCLA at times is ugly to watch because it's Mick Cronin and he likes to play uh, keep it in the 50s turn back the clock basketball or he did it in Cincinnati but I mean he detonated that with uh, racing Gonzaga up and down the floor uh, trip by trip uh, up to a game that got into the 90s so there's no complaint there Uh, I, I was able to detach myself from all that college versus NBA what's better what's worse I still heard people say college basketball just sucks. It's just a horrible, you know, I'm sure a lot of coaches and uh, beautiful basketball minds just, they're going to pick apart anything. But I, w- I, I didn't I did have that sort of, uh, I didn't wear those 3D glasses when I watched the game. I just, yeah, I enjoyed it. If it was close, I tuned in and I watched it. It was usually fun. And I had nothing at stake. I never had an idea how I was doing in my bracket. I, I ended up finishing third. I didn't check in until today because I hadn't put in my money over at Midwest Communications Radio, my five bucks. 
Uh, and I'm notorious for all, for never getting that in or getting it in late. I know that shocks you. And the guy who's running the pool said, "Oh, you don't have to give us five bucks. You you finished third, so you get twelve. So you get so you get you won twelve dollars. So you get seven back. Woohoo!" But like I didn't I didn't check my bracket. I didn't need to check my bracket to still be engaged. And maybe it's because you know keep it simple, flush out all of the nitpicking, and just enjoy some basketball. And but even the most uh, even the most critical uh, black heart who ob- observes college basketball, you, there's nothing you can do to be. There's nothing you can do to pick apart that Gonzaga UCLA game. I thought that was beautiful basketball, and uh, Gonzaga is beautiful basketball in general. And then Baylor was able to beat it with just. I mean, let's face it. Uh, pure athleticism and size a lot of that mm-hmm. you know that was i mean they just they, they had bigger stronger faster dudes and that finally beat gonzaga but uh that they, they can't all be mona lisa's but that was that saturday night game and and, and i would i would have said this without a near half court shot to to win the game uh before that, it was still like gosh this, i can't remember a basketball game i've i've more enjoyed or that looked more perfectly played it, yeah, I mean, I I'm not I don't try to I guess I don't get caught up in that the breaking down the comparisons or the stuff you know I, and part of that is I've never been a basketball guy like it's yeah. a distant third as my favorite sports and that doesn't mean I don't like basketball I love basketball and I love the NCAA tournament in particular if you were to force me to kind of get into NBA versus college or versus high school or men's women's all that you know I mean like I don't have a lot of like. Duke and North Carolina can be ranked number one and number two in the country. And if they're playing on a Thursday night in November, I don't care. I'm not going to watch it. Um, but in the NCAA tournament, I'll watch almost anybody, you know, and usually it's really fun. Um, and part of that is the basketball. The part of it is just the environment, you know, the, the communal sense of, of what the NCAA tournament represents to our country. You know, that was what we missed so much last year uh, because especially the fact that the pandemic hit right as the tournament was starting uh, because obviously, you know, for people who are fans of the teams that advance far into the tournament and people who are really into college basketball or who are winning their bracket or whatever, they, you know, follow the whole thing. Uh, but I'll take that away. The first two days are usually the funnest for me. You know, if you can, if you can swing it, you take that day off work and, you know, basketball games start at, what, 11 in the morning, and they go all day and all night, and your brackets are going crazy when, you know, a 13 beats a 4 and a 12 beats a 5 and all this weird stuff, and a number one seed gets a scare from a 16. And, like, that's just one of the funnest days of the year yep. in American sports. Yep. And uh, even, the you know, years where I wasn't thinking, oh, I really missed the NCAA tournament, so I'm going to pay more attention this year. Like, that's always been one of my favorite days. And so I don't get caught up in, you know, how good the basketball is or if, you know, who's on the team or if the coach is an asshole or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's I get really turned off by the sanctimonious college basketball purists that, you know, their love of the game and team basketball and blah, 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 you know, miss me with that shit. Uh, But I do think uh, there's something sort of pure, I guess, about those first couple days of, of the tournament and how that's just that's that's just as good as sports gets in america and you know like i said usually halfway through the tournament i kind of start to lose interest but those first few days are great and this year again because i missed it so much last year um and and missed everything last year not just the ncaa tournament uh, i made more of an effort to tune in and i certainly never felt like i was wasting my time or like you know you know where you do that thing where like do i am i watching this because i want to or because i feel like i have to i think those of us in the media especially get caught up in that a lot like well kind of have to watch this don't i like no you don't uh but this year i i watched on my own and i loved it and i never regretted it and i'm hoping that next year when the ncaa tournament comes around i will still have that appetite for it because i really really enjoyed this tournament well and if you missed some of it honestly i there are there are some parts i missed that great first couple of days i was getting ready for slash calling high school state tournament basketball games so i had that on in the background as i was prepping for my my on-air calls of games and by the way that march madness is fun too and you you covered the high school class a boys state tournament in sioux falls and it's it's uh you know it's kind of the same deal just at the high school level well anyway uh, uh if you did if you didn't get to see or didn't get a big primer on all the cool things that happened those first couple of weeks with the first two rounds of the sweet 16 of the elite eight 
well, one shining moment covers it all for you in those two minutes, right? And uh, I don't know how to feel about this because uh, it's it's I feel I. I feel bad about myself, and I and I and I hate the network and CBS for doing it as well because it's first of all I hate the song, but it's such an identifiable song. They're never gonna are they ever gonna not do another? Are they ever gonna do another song? No, but it is it is over the top cheesy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it it's from the eighties or nineties, and uh, but at the same th- at the same time, I fall for it every year. I stayed up for this. You know, my husband, who's somewhat of a Baylor fan because he grew up in Waco, he was yelling at the TV the whole time. And you know Gilbert. It's hard to tell if he means it or not. But uh, when, he, <laughs> when he puts his mind – like he didn't watch a fucking Baylor game all year until the Elite Eight, and then and then he's, uh, you know, barking at the TV like he knows these guys on every play. And in last, in last night's case, going, going crazy because we got off to that great start. But uh, you know he's into it. But he he went to bed. He didn't. He 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 had no interest in, in in waiting a half hour for one shining moment. But for some reason I do because uh, my brain is programmed that way. So it works. CBS does CBS does it again. But what can be done about that? I mean, uh, it sounds like you stayed up for it as well and watched it. And uh, you know, it's always a popular day after subtopic is that one shining moment thing. What do you like? If it went away, I wouldn't be disappointed, but it would be weird next year if they decide to not do it. Today. Hey, where is it? Where'd it go? Oh, well, what's wrong? What's wrong with having traditions? You know, I, I agree. That's what I, I come back anyone, to. Yeah. I don't think anyone thinks it's a great song. Yeah. I mean, I think it's Luther Vandross, isn't it? I, think. I don't know. It's I mean, sure. Something like I that. I think that's who it is. Yeah. And, and I don't think anyone would say that. Mr. Vandross couldn't sing. That's not what anyone is saying. Right. But yeah, it's, it's a dumb, corny song, uh, but it became a tradition a long time ago, and I think it became a bigger thing over the last couple of years just because TV production values are so much better now. Um, so now instead of just like being this, it used to just, if, if I remember correctly, just sort of be the song they played during the final credits, you know, while the credits rolled of all the people that worked on the tournament. Yeah. Well, now it's a whole, you know, highlight video unto itself. Yeah. And people love those things. And you know why? Because they're awesome. Yeah. You know, there's a reason every college athletic department has a full-time position for a guy who just makes those videos. Yep. You know, because people love them. Yep. And uh, you know, it gets over and you've been watching this tournament and getting emotionally invested in it. And you watch that, you know, what is it, a 2-minute clip tops and uh it's it's just sort of like a a flashback of all the cool shit you saw over the last two weeks. And yeah. It's like, oh yeah, Oral Roberts and oh yeah, that buzzer beater and oh yeah, UCLA, Arkansas, you know, all all this stuff. And uh, that's fun. That's cool. That's part of it. And uh, you're not thinking about like it being a good song. You're just thinking about it being the song. And now yeah. I think the fact that it's been around long enough, I think I read that it goes back to like 86 or something. I mean, that's yeah. covered at least two generations. You know, I mean, that's that means you and I have been watching that for 30 years. Uh-huh. Um, a couple of years ago, I went over to my dad's house to watch the national championship game. We're not college basketball fans, really. It was just an excuse to, to, to do something together. And the game got over. It was the year uh, Texas Tech was in it with Matt Mooney. So uh-huh. probably two, whatever year. Two, I think and, it was uh, two years ago. Three years yeah. Ago? So the yeah. game got over and uh, I got up to leave. And my dad was like, where are you going? I was like, home. It's 11 o'clock. And he's like, you're not leaving until one shining moment is over. <laughs> I was like, okay. You know, like that was, it was almost like he was like, let's have a father son moment together. You know, we're going to yeah. sit and watch this thing that we've both been watching since you were, you know, in grade school. And, so I did. I stayed there, sat on his couch, and watched the whole 25-minute post-game show until they did it. And we watched the highlights. And, you know, like I said, that was something that we had shared together a dozen times when I was a kid. Yeah, so it's a good cool a- time. And, and now, and, and, you know, and I think also memories like that are what perpetuate it. You know, like from now on, when I, when I watch the final championship game and stay for the one shining moment – Part of the reason I'll do it is that uh, that memory that I had with my dad just two years ago, you know, and I, and I think everyone has something like that. You know, that song isn't like, oh, I love this song. It's that it triggers, you know, certain memories, certain nostalgia. And, you know, if you're a sports fan, you're a sucker for that kind of shit. I think we can all yep. acknowledge and admit that. It's a great brand. And it goes along with like the Masters. We could uh, the Masters. That piano music and theme song and these and I mean you talk about there's nothing more over the top than the than the affinity that uh, those who are a part of golf and like watching golf and even those who are casual golf fans 
have for the splendor of that course and the budding azaleas and the dogwood pines. And uh, unfortunately, my mind races to white supremacy now every time I hear that and see it because that was such a huge part of the history of that club and that area of the country and that tournament and the people who ran it for so long until um, they finally you know, kind of had the they had to let a participating player in by 1975, Lee Elder, because uh, he qualified for it. But uh, the Tiger wins it and turns golf on its racial head for a little bit and... Uh, Anyway, I, I just dove right. I just went for the jugular on that one. Uh, but it's, and yet still, uh, so part of me thinks like that's all so fake and phony. And then part of me goes to, along with your point about one shining moment. It's just great branding. And that brand's never going to go away because most people don't think about the white supremacy uh, and the, uh, the elitism of the sport. Uh, Augusta and the Masters and people who follow it and watch it they enjoy they enjoy the syrupiness of it all which of course Jim Nance fits perfectly into as well right and so uh i guess i should uh off the one shining moment thing not overthink the not think the whole masters brand either cuz uh cuz it's 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 built itself up to where it is and it's not going away so just to, just enjoy it nobody wants it to go away yeah. i mean uh you know look to take the nfl um if it was just you know that the, the broadcast started the second the ball was kicked off, you know, and that's all you got. I mean, think of how, how meaningful and how impactful, whether you like them or not, people like Joe Buck and John Madden and Pat Summerall and Al Michaels have been in your life. Yeah. Uh, think, think how the, the, the theme, the, like you hear that music and it's, it, it puts a certain, you know, like it instantly takes you, you know exactly what's going on. Like you just are instantly NFL mode. You yeah. Know, Sunday Vikings. Whatever your your family tradition is, or whatever your your Sunday routine is. You know, I mean, that's all part of it. Yeah, we all love these sports because of the game itself. Uh, but those, you know, if you want to call it branding, as you did, or just you know uh, the the cultural side of it, whatever it is. I mean, people and and I'm not judging people. I'm I'm fully including myself in this. Like I am a sucker for that shit. You know. When I'm drunk at two in the morning, like I go on YouTube and look up clips of John Madden and Pat Summerall just so I can hear their voices again and feel like I'm 12 years old watching <laughs> throw to Anthony Carter. And I'm serious. And like, if I'm drunk enough, I'll get emotional over that shit. I mean, like I really, you know, that that's what makes you continue to do this. That's why you keep watching for 30, 40 years. And you want to share that with other people because there was someone that shared it with you, you know, whether it was your dad or your uncle or your friend or whoever got you into it, you know, that became a big enough part of your life that you're like, yep, this is something that I'm going to keep going back to for the rest of my life. And, you know, whether it's one shining moment or, you know, the, the NBA round rock, John Tesh song or whatever, you know, everyone has those things and they love them. That's, 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 you know, again, no one's saying that these are awesome songs or great pieces of art. It's just, it's just a part of the, the, the cultural experience and, and everyone loves it. And I, and I'm, and you know I'm as cynical as they come, and I'm a music snob, and all those things. But I am here for one shining moment, and all that other corny crap. I love it. Wow, I guess I should. I, I guess I should stop feeling so pathetic for when I'm drunk at one or two a.m. and going <laughs> back and watching old Husker football games. I just thought that's what I thought that was something only pathetic Husker fans who live in the nineties I mean, do. There's a lot of things I do drunk at two in the morning. This is one of them. <laughs> Yes, but yes, us. It's uh, so. If you're going to make that confession, yes, I, 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 I doubt I'm the only Husker fan, especially around my age of 42, who in their childhood grew up with that team being a top 10 team and a national title contender every year for the first 20, 25 years of their life, uh, and winning national titles when you were a teenager and in your most uh, sports crazy years where sports dominated your life and your emotional investment. I guess it's okay every now and then to go watch uh, Amon Green go for 60 yards on the first play of, of offense against Colorado and Keith Jackson calling it. I guess that's okay. I feel better now. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, while we're on it, uh, so what do you think is the uh, – what's the absolute number one all-time sports theme song? Like for uh, – for – yeah, for any sport, any network, the, uh, any time. The one I mentioned, Round Ball Rock, the NBA on NBC yeah. theme, is really good. Yeah. 
Um, that that one, I think everyone and part again, this goes back to the whole it's not the art itself. It's not the song like it is a good song. like, you know, however, I can comment on instrumental new age music, whatever the hell it is um, like it's cool. It's a it's a good, you know, catchy tune or whatever. But like, I think part of the reason people love it so much is the era that it was from. That was the Jordan Magic Bird yep. late 80s, early 90s. Um, it started in the early 90s. I remember. I remember. Okay, yeah, so it was yeah. a little later into that era, but it yeah. was that era. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, man, when I was 12, 13, every Sunday at noon, uh-huh. I was turning on NBC, and I didn't care who was playing. Uh, you know, it could be the Cavs and the Bucks. It could be the Bulls and the Knicks. And I loved listening. I would watch, Actually, I would turn, tune in early to watch uh, Ahmad Rashad, NBA Inside Stuff, before <laughs> the game. Yeah. Then the game would come on, and you hear that that song took you in and out of commercial breaks, and there were so many dramatic moments with Jordan's Bulls and all those teams. And so again, that when you ask me what's the greatest one, that's the one that comes to mind. But I don't know if it's is it because the song itself is that great, or just because it triggers these memories of such a great era well, of basketball. Then it's the, the then it's the best in players. your mind. It's the best in your mind that I think a lot of people. It's it's near the top of anyone again our ages list because it's because uh, it worked. That's what makes it the best. Is it worked? It's the first one you thought of so uh that makes it the best because we're talking about branding here and uh i've got i've got a quick story behind that so john tesh is the guy who wrote it right and do you remember john tesh when he was actually on entertainment tonight when he first Mm -hmm. i think that's what most people know him okay yeah Yeah, because some people aren't old enough to remember that but uh yeah and so and and then this you know CBS had the NBA in the 80s, and they had a great theme song. I don't know if you remember it, but I thought I don't it was remember a, it. Do 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 That's how it went. Pretty good. And uh, Dick Stockton was the voice of the NBA on CBS on the game of the week. That was in the true Larry Magic uh, and Jordan years. And he just re- retired, by the way. I think he's one of the best ever and completely underrated, but he was the guy on the NBA in the eighties. And, uh, anyway, but then NBC picked up the rights and they had that song and it was a hit and John Tesh wrote it. And then about 15 years after they first started running those, which was about five years after ABC stole the rights to the NBA away from the NBC. And so that song went away. Uh, we, I was on a morning radio show in Worthington, Minnesota, and somehow, some way, the guy who hosted the show with me got got John Tesh on our show. I think it's because John Tesh eventually had his own like syndicated uh, radio show where you just—I I don't know if you've ever heard it. I mean, it's—it's. It's, I think it's been around Sioux Falls a time or two. Have you ever heard it? Focus, John. Let's. let's I'm just asking you if you've heard it. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like John Tesh. John Tesh gives you tips for his life. Anyway. So uh, John Tesh was on our morning show, and uh, and I asked John Tesh if I could sing the song with him, and he uh, and he obliged, and so we we went do 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 do. We did that together for like a minute, and it was magic. Awesome how you turned that fifteen second story into a three minute story. <laughs> it's who I am. It's what I do. Uh, I actually and I stole that from Conan O'Brien. I saw him doing that with Conan O'Brien on some show long ago but probably uh, explains why he went along with it yeah right uh yes exa- well yeah i reminded him of how he did that and uh, he was a nice there enough are, guy to do it there are though a bunch of really good ones i still love the uh cbs college football one um yeah that's right up there for me too yes that's a good one yeah. um and um i also this wouldn't necessarily count as any of the theme music but um when chris berman and tom jackson hosted nfl primetime uh on Sunday night, you know, after the three o'clock game got over before the seven o'clock game started. Yeah. That was maybe the best sports highlight show in television. Of course. When those two were on their game, Holy shit. Was that a good show? Like that was as much fun as watching the games themselves. And the theme music for those highlights when boomer would do the highlights. Oh yeah. And they had like seven different ones. It wasn't just the same one. And every one of them was really cool. It had this very like, kind of modern but also sort of 1940s-ish sort of yep. you know big band sound and like i can hear every one of them in my head right now just you know because because the prime time was obviously the much more in-depth highlights than you know sports center would kind of give you the quick hits yeah. whereas prime time would give you like five minutes on each game yep and boomer would give you all the the play-by-play of all the big highlights and you know tom jackson would you know kind of insert the one-liners or whatever and 
holy shit was that good oh and i recently did uh same kind of thing i went down a youtube rabbit hole a while ago of just all the, the all the different theme songs from nfl primetime there's like 12 of them yep. and i would say of the 12 eight or nine of them are the kind that you hear just the first few bars and you're like oh yes yeah. yes you know jim everett to flipper anderson <laughs> you know, warren moon to chris carter he like, could go all the yes. way yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, it's good. We're, we're celebrating things we used to celebrate. And then uh, uh, when we got you, when you and I got to a certain age, it's kind of like Burt Blylevin on Twins games and stuff that was cool at first. And then it wasn't cool to like them anymore. And we like, and, and we would trash them and wait for the next thing. And Boomer, uh, Boomer, uh, what's, what's his name? Chris Berman's one of those guys. And that was his whole thing. And you talk about unifying or bringing your uh, father and son together like that. My dad and I would always watch the Chiefs game at noon, and there was usually the Broncos game after that in Omaha. And uh, you know, we were huge Chiefs fans. We hated the Broncos, so we would, you know, uh, so that that was that was the afternoon. And then that show would come on, and my dad, uh, like your dad, I'm sure, just I mean, we twelve year old me and my whatever forty five year old dad, we were just rejoicing with every Chris Bermanism, whatever he would call. Uh, you know, the nicknames he would have for those guys, which were so simplistic, but the first time you heard them, you laughed your ass off. Like, mm-hmm. the Chiefs had a third-string quarterback named Matt Blunden, and and uh, one day, he you know, he had to play. And uh, and so Chris Bermanis says, and, and off off comes the warm-up jacket for Matt Matthew Werewolves of Blunden. <laughs> and, you know, my dad being uh, of that baby boomer age of all those, you know, classic rock 60s and 70s, like he was uh-huh. just, his mind was blown uh, with that reference. And That's uh, funny because one of my favorite Bermanisms is a separate Werewolves of London reference. Oh, yeah? The, yeah? the Rams had a linebacker named London Fletcher. And uh, Berman called him Werewolves of London Fletcher. And then after the highlight, he goes, his hair was perfect. Oh, was, you know, wow. Dog, which was so perfect. Like, yes. it was like a double, like, that was good. That yes. Was good. I'd love to meet his tailor. Uh, and it sticks off by London Fletcher. His hair was perfect. Oh, uh, man. Uh, so the, the 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 one song of that of those songs because of course I've delved I've gone that down that YouTube rabbit hole because it was part of my job doing daily sports talk radio every now and then you look for those songs for your show and uh, do you want to do a duet do you want me to do the first three notes and we could do a duet no fucking way oh come on have some fun <laughs> you were just getting really comfortable with doing talking about really corny things and do 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 that's that was my favorite one so i can't even i can't even quite hear that one uh, it, yeah no oh, okay uh glad i didn't attempt that's why that I was a great show that. isn't this great you know we have uh we have as much shit going on in sports as you could possibly fucking imagine and we just spent 20 minutes on theme songs and chris berman which i think is great um so uh yeah i what can we say about Anything further? By the way, we're going to talk some baseball here in a moment. You know, in fact, I just want to do baseball now. We'll do the FCS and Jackson Yotes stuff. I know we want to focus on local things, but it's just gotten so old. All these FCS games getting canceled and the season going down the drain. And what else can we say? Um, I want to talk about happier shit. So um, what do you make of the Twins so far? Uh, I was really pissed off they lost on opening day because obviously taking a three-run lead into the ninth that's a game you should win about 99 times out of a hundred. And, and they pissed it away too, you know, a couple defensive mistakes in the ninth inning that were really frustrating. Um, and I'm, I'm not the kind of person who goes like, Oh, there's 162 games, but like, yeah. And how many times does the, do you lose the division by one game? You know, that could be the one that cost them. But having said that, you know, okay. They, they shit that one down their legs. But other than that, you know, they should, they should have swept Milwaukee because they came back, won the next two games, Obviously killed the Tigers yesterday and then lost today on a walk-off single. I hate the extra inning rule. That's a whole other thing. But anyway, I'm really encouraged. Um, pitching's been pretty good. Uh, the The lineup has been okay, encouraging. Uh, obviously, you know, the huge Bomba squad 2019. Then last year, basically everyone except Nelson Cruz had an off year. Now this year coming back, Nelson Cruz is clearly – Still got it. You know, if whatever year it's finally going to, he's finally going to be over the hill. It does not look like this is it. Um, he's raking. 
Uh, Max Kepler, we talked about last podcast, had a terrible spring training. He's hitting the ball all right. Luis Arias looks great. Um, the, the, uh, Byron Buxton looks great. Had another home run today. Obviously, everyone's just waiting for his glass bones to shatter, but until they do, um, he looks fantastic. And speaking of glass bones shattering, the one down, downer is uh, Josh Donaldson rips a double into the gap on his first at-bat of the season, literally couldn't even make it to the field. He's still – I mean – I, I get it. You know, shit happens, and it could be a freak thing, and maybe he'll play every game the rest of the year when he comes off the DL. But it's like, how frustrating is that? You know, the guy missed half of last year. They, they're clearly so much better when he's in the lineup. They spend all spring training talking about how they're going to try so hard to protect him and baby him and make sure that they can keep him healthy. And even if that meant he was only going to play, you know, 125 or 130 games or whatever, well, one fucking inning, and he's already hurt. That's really, really frustrating. They're paying this guy twenty three million dollars yeah. a year. Looks like he's just looks like he's a lemon. Like it's just they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna flush that money away. But the good news is, uh, it's it's not his calf, which has been the the thing that's been bothering him for most of the last few years. Uh, it sounds like so far, it was maybe largely precautionary. To Josh Donaldson's credit, it looked like he wanted to stay in the game when it happened. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic that he's just going to miss the 10 days when they put him on the DL and he'll be ready to come back. And then, you know, he's it's obviously the guy can hit and he can field and he's a good dude. Seems to be a, you know, good clubhouse guy, all that stuff. But it's really frustrating to watch this team and have two just, you know, MVP caliber players in Byron Buxton and Josh Donaldson who you, you just can never get comfortable. Like, it's not just like that you're constantly worried about them getting hurt. It's like you can't enjoy them as much, you know? Yeah. Like, they're doing superhuman things on the field, and you, like, don't want to let yourself enjoy it because, like, he's just going to get fucking hurt anyway. You know, Buxton hits another home run today, and I was texting one of my buddies, and I'm like, yeah, I wonder if he can get to 30 home runs in the 75 games he's going to play this season. You know, and it's like we're joking, but but we're not joking, you know? Like, who thinks he's going to play 145 games this year? I hope he does. I'll yeah. be super happy if he does, but I'm sure shit not betting on it. Well, did he miss With Donaldson? I'd, I'd take a hundred games. Yeah, you know? and it's right. just, that's and that's just frustrating because it's sure. obvious how good they are. And like I said, the, the part that just sucks is feeling like you can't even enjoy them when they're playing well because you're so certain that they're going to get hurt. <laughs> you're so fatalistic, right? You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, well, when it comes to Buxton, did he? He? I know he sat out was it Monday's game, and maybe. I, 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 all I know is that he at least sat out Monday's game because he wasn't feeling well. Was that? Uh... They took him out in the middle of the game. Um, I think at first they thought it was a COVID thing, and then I, the rumor uh... going on Twitter was just that he had the shits. I think he might have <laughs> okay. crapped, crapped his pants in the on-deck circle or something. Oh. You can't really stay in the game if you shit your pants. So no, I'm not saying that he did. I, that's what I had heard. Because you know, uh, whatever, he seems to be okay now. I keep telling you, and I don't mind telling our listeners to listen to Patrick Royce's podcast, Royce Unchained, because. I'm as big of a Royce fan as it gets. Of course, the Minneapolis Star Tribune columnist who's 75 years old and sounds like it, yet he has a youthful energy about him, and he loves to – I just love him because he's uh, he's brutally honest, as are you. And uh, But he – yeah, he, was, he went on this huge explosive rant about uh, – the only information they were armed with, I guess, when they recorded this podcast yesterday was that he wasn't feeling well and – and, uh, you know, he wasn't feeling 100% and Royce's big kind of statement. In fact, they labeled the podcast, the name of the of that week's podcast. Sometimes it's like, it's baseball. You shouldn't be feeling good. It's like, it's, you know, it's like you play 150 games a year. Guess what? You're hardly ever going to feel good, you know. And he was talking about how he woke up at 530, 75 years old and feeling horrible, but he sat on his fat ass and wrote for six hours, you know. Um but uh, but if but if he had this the guy had the shits okay I mean yeah it's it's hard to play you have to yeah it'd be you'd have to be the DH right you couldn't possibly go out in the field because you're stranded out there we had uh, unless you put on a diaper I guess the uh, Renner Monarchs had a game about five years ago and uh, we only had nine guys and it was like a thousand degrees and nobody wanted to show up. And like I'm not kidding, it was one of the hottest days in South Dakota history. It was like 105, like actual temperature. And we were all like, "Why are we doing this? This is terrible." Well, as you probably know, when it gets that hot, you can get really dehydrated, and pretty soon everyone, yeah, 
Yeah. And we were really fortunate that our dugout happened to be right by one of the concession stands where the restrooms are attached because it was pretty much uh, a constant line to the straight from the dugout to the bathroom. Like all of you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because it was that. So uh, it can be done, but God. yeah, it is. It's quite unpleasant when you're out in left field pinching your butt cheeks together because yeah, it's. It's a difficult, difficult thing. The two most famous uh, shit breaks in sports that I can recall are uh, Bobby Hurley did it in the Final Four. I'll never forget that because I was 10 years old, and that's like right in the 10-year-old Huber wheelhouse, which none of us really ever get out of. But like Bobby Hurley, they I mean, he was just all of a sudden, I think they were playing UNLV. It was either the Final Four or the National Championship game, like in 91. And uh, he 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 sprinted off the court and through the tunnel into the locker room. And obviously the announcers are like, well, uh, doesn't appear to be hurt. I mean, what else could this, you know, what do you right. say? What could it be? And uh, I hated Duke, so I thought it was hilarious that Bobby, Bobby Hurley had the shits. And, uh, and then uh, Lamar Jackson just did it, I think, this past year. I, I think it was a playoff game, if not. It was somewhere late this past season where he had to – leave the field and trot trot off and same thing it didn't appear he was hobbling or anything um is it, so is that is, is that the only time it's been the case for you do you have any athletic memories of this affecting your uh a game yeah no i never had to like miss an at bat or, or did you ever like physically shit your pants no no <laughs> Okay. I have pretty good, uh, pretty good control. I know that's never been a yeah, no. yeah. But that baseball game, like, and not only were we playing in 110 degree heat that day, the umpire had a terrible day, and he was at a small zone. It's like, dude, it's 110. Call anything. <laughs> Get us out of here. Yeah, anything that gets to the plate in the air, call it a strike, <laughs> and no one's gonna be mad at you. Yeah. And the score of the game was like 21 to 12. Oh God. Yeah, yeah, we were there all day. It was, Oh, man. I remember a really, really hot summer's day. My last day on the job in, in radio in Worthington, I had like, uh, I always had like an hour or two window between like my morning shift and my uh, like midday shift, somewhere mid morning. And of course, my last day on the job, I knew I had gotten this job in Sioux Falls. And so I was, I, I, it was a really nice day. I was, I was going for a run around the lake and uh, I, I, I had probably drank a lot the night before because night before last day on the job whatever and fortunately i was very close to like a public restroom right on the lake but uh i didn't quite make it in time and uh, (laughs) i was about uh fortunately there was nobody out there and i was like i I was still like 10 or 15 minutes like from from home and on legs so uh yeah what do you do never happened to me not not on wood. By the way, speaking of YouTube rabbit holes, have you ever have you ever seen the George uh, Brett uh, shit my pants clip? Yes. yes okay. I have. Well, we highly recommend it for those of you who haven't, and that's all we could really. Well, I can't. I couldn't possibly do it justice by describing it, but uh, I would like to think that most of our listeners are, uh, you know, people who have uh, already seen that and enjoyed it many times, many times. Um, that uh, I, to me, the two biggest headliners from the the Twins' first five games are that that opening day collapse, which everybody kind of uh, magnifies because it's opening day, and you had an extra day to really terrorize yourself about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's only one out of 162, but it did get people nervous about the relief staff and the fielding and all that. But uh, uh, the other one was Barrios. Uh, yeah, gets. Ha- 85 pitches, six innings, and uh, Rocco pulls him. How pissed were you? Um, I wasn't that pissed, like, in a vacuum, because I get it. Like, 84 pitches, no, he doesn't have to be pulled then. But I, Rocco's explanation afterwards was, well, he obviously wasn't going to get through nine. So, like, okay, I could have sent him out for the seventh. But then if he throws another scoreless or hitless inning – then it just adds the pressure and, you know, it just makes it more difficult on everybody. If we know that I'm not going to let him throw 120 pitches, which he wasn't going to, then just take him out now. Like, I get that, and I'm kind of okay with it, especially on opening day, especially the fact that it was a one nothing game. You know, if it was like a 6 nothing lead and you had a little more, like you weren't worried about the actual outcome of the game, then, I, you know, that would be one thing. The reason it bothered me is because, you know, we saw Rocco – however you want to describe we saw what happened in the playoffs last year 
He pulls Maeda and Barrios after five innings back to back. Both times it had nothing to do with pitch count. It was, oh, you know, we can't let him face the lineup a third time, which it just is we've been over this. It's it's a questionable at best strategy. It backfired on him two games in a row. And then a few weeks later in the World Series, the team that taught him how to do that, essentially, the Tampa Bay Rays, yeah. loses the World Series by doing the same thing. And it becomes, you know, a flashpoint moment for all of baseball. Like this was, as you well remember, a big talking point. It had it kind of reignited that argument about analytics and our people putting too much, you know, stock in the numbers and the spreadsheets yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying I expected Rocco to turn around and turn into Burt Blylevin, you know, and just start letting all the starters go 125 pitches and into the eighth and ninth inning every start. But I kind of hoped that maybe what happened in the playoffs to him and to the Rays uh, would be, you know, have an effect, have it leave a mark. They'd be like, hey, maybe we re- need to rethink this. Because even most of the people who are hardcore believers – in sabermetrics, analytics, whatever you want, word you want to use, most of those people are like, yeah, the Rays definitely should have left Blake Snell in the game. Like, yes, we all have numbers, but we still have eyes too. Like, <laughs> if the other team is celebrating when you take a pitcher, pick, pitcher out of the game, that probably means you shouldn't take him out of the game. Um, so I kind of hoped that we were going to see some evidence that, you know, maybe that they learned a little bit. And it's still possible that they have, but, like, I jokingly tweeted after Barrios was through five, six innings, like, oh, that's two times through the line. I've got to take him out now, right? Ha, 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 ha. Fully expecting that he wouldn't. And then he did. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Like, I was joking. And you did it again. And, again, it's defensible. What was the, the score, count, by the way? It was one nothing at the time. Oh, okay. Remember, both pitchers had a no-hitter through six innings. I was totally watching the uh, final four. I didn't, I okay, watching, so yeah. Buxton hits a home run in the top of the seventh. And it's like, oh, okay. So again, I in a, in a vacuum, the, the, that situation by itself, I get it, and I'm kind of okay with it. I'm just troubled by the thought that is Rocco is this still how Rocco's going to do this? Are we still going to be, hey, two times through the lineup, you know, you got to come out. If he is, I I I have a big problem with that. It already backfired yeah. on him twice. Yeah, backfired on the Rays on the biggest stage. Like, go ahead and use your testicles to make a decision once in a while. It doesn't always have to be what the number on the computer screen tells yeah. you. Yeah. So uh, all I knew, of course, was from Twitter that seeing the, hey, they're taking him out, six innings, 85 pitches, he's got a no-hitter going. And my mind raced to 13 years ago. And this shows you how far we have come with, uh, to your since you used the word testicles, to the pussification of baseball managing with pitch counts. And I'm again, I'm kind of with you. I'm all for these pitch counts and keeping these guys' arms healthy and not working them to death. And uh, I got tired of hearing Burt Blaylevin remind everyone that he had a 23-year career and how many thousands of times he went over 120 pitches in, in, in complete game wins. But um, how far have we come with this pussification? I was in the stands, Target Field, 2010. Uh, they were playing the Oakland A's, and Kevin Slowey had a no-hitter going through seven. Yep, I remember. And, and he was up to like 106. Now, today, that'd be like, nobody would even argue with that. Well, and, but also, too, Kevin Slowey at that time was coming off. and It was like his first start month, I think. Oh, yeah. He had been battling arm problems. He had been coming off an yeah. injury. And I, it's funny you bring that up because as I was watching the game, my mind went – I remembered that game very well. I wasn't there, but I remember watching it and being kind of annoyed with Guardy, but also being like, yeah, given that he's not at 100% health and he's a young guy, like, I, I couldn't be upset with Guardy for doing it. Yeah. The thing, I, the thing I appreciated was after the game, Guardy was, like, completely apologetic in his – he's like, I totally get it. It sucks. Like, his direct quote was, like, the, I know the fans were booing me. He's like – I would have booed me too. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I get it. He's like, this is one time where I just had to do what I thought was the right thing for my player. I totally get that the fans are mad. It sucks. I wanted to let him do it. Like, I appreciated that so much that he at least like acknowledged, like this was a thing I had to do, even though I didn't want to. And same kind of thing here. Like Rocco's comments weren't quite as selfless as Guardi's were or, or however you want to put it. Like, but he did at least acknowledge like, 
you know, yeah, it's not like I didn't know he had a no hitter going, but he, he was like, I wasn't going to let him get to 120. He clearly wasn't going to make it through nine with the way he was going. It's early in the season. It's a one nothing game. Like he at least, you know, showed some awareness of yeah. it. You know, he wasn't a complete, you know, robot to yeah. the situation. Just like I said, I, I just don't want to see as the year goes on that Rocco is going to continue to hold to this. Well, our numbers say that this is when the guy's got to come out. Doesn't matter, you know, how dominant he is or how fast his fastball is or how well his curveball's breaking. If, if you know, if it's the six, if he's through six and two thirds and opponents hit four hundred on him in the seventh inning or later, you know, I don't want that to be how he does things. And yeah. and what he what happened in that game gives me a little pause. Yeah. Uh... Guardy was like the least analytical. Like we we started making fun of him or detonizing him toward the end of his Twins tenure because he wasn't analytical at all. He was Mister Go by Your Gut guy, and it's like step into the twentieth first century, dude. And uh, and then you go back to that where yeah, even Guardy pulled Kevin slowly, and for the reasons you just mentioned, uh, yeah, people were booing, and I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I was there, and I was. I mean, I don't. I don't I'm not a boo. I'm, I'm like Jerry Seinfeld in his take on booing. It's it just sounds stupid and preposterous if you're not at a sporting event. And you just go boo, boo. I mean, I don't boo, but I. I was of course everyone wanted to see that no hitter being played out, and uh, uh, but I don't think anybody would boo at 106 pitches through seven innings today. Even if a guy, like, I don't think anyone would boo for a guy that was totally healthy and not just having spent a, a month away with a sore arm. Like that's how far we've come to where that 105 pitches, seven innings was a big deal back then to pull him at all. And now it would there, no one would wince. And in fact, some people probably agreed with and defended Rocco Baldelli for 85 pitches and in six innings, but. Uh, that is part of the, I guess, the charm of baseball. Um, I uh, we'll get to the Canaries uh, maybe next week. I want to spend the last few minutes on uh, uh, the, yeah. I mean, what now? What do we say now after we spent a half hour or whatever it was at the start of last week's podcast? The NDSU SDSU game, the can was kicked down the road, and now USD's season is over because it had the it had the axe its last two games, including the SDSU game. Um, for, first of all, I guess housekeeping is the SDSU NDSU game still on for this Friday? Yeah, uh, no. Say that again. What, did they reschedule the South Dakota State North Dakota State game for Friday this Friday? No, April. They were supposed they were supposed to play USD this Saturday. Jesus. Okay, so when was the US when was the Dakota Marker game rescheduled? Through the following week. Oh. Okay. I got my dates yeah. mixed up. I can see you're clearly paying a lot of attention. I'm I got a lot of other but, things going but, on, Sim. But 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 I'm joking, but also like <laughs> that's kind of like part of the thing. Like other than a few real diehard fans, no one cares. Yeah. Like people have not bought into this season at all. Yeah. And you know, I get, you know, the same usual suspects. Uh, who I interact with on Twitter all the time, and and I'm not criticizing them at all. These people are putting food on my plate. You know, <laughs> they are into it, and I love that they're into it. They're yeah. reading my stuff. That's great. But there just aren't very many <laughs> of those people right now. Um, like the Jacks had, I think they could get up to five thousand or something in their home games that they had. Like that's how many they were allowed via social distancing. They got two thousand. You know, and the weather was good. Um, the the stories that I'm writing on this football team are not getting the clicks, the engagement that they normally do. Uh, there just aren't a lot of people into this. And on the one hand, I'm a little surprised in that, you know, it's not like people, it's not like Jacks fans are huge fans of college baseball or softball. You know, USD doesn't even have a baseball team. Um, but, you know, just spring football is not the same. And I think a lot of people are just kind of like, whatever. And as it's gone forward, it, it hasn't really, whether it's because there's nobody in the stands or whatever it is, it hasn't really caught fire. It hasn't really got people worked up. And now the fact that all these games are getting canceled left and right, even the teams who aren't canceling games, their fans are going like, well, this is stupid. You know, what are we doing here? Uh, USD season is over now. Um, that wasn't fully their call. They wanted to try and play Western Illinois in the season finale, but nobody can blame Western Illinois for saying we're out. You know, they're 0-4, 0-5, whatever. Like, what's the point? Why are you know, especially once 
you know, and the Missouri Valley, the SCS, whoever, they bear some responsibility on this because they set a precedent by not holding any of these teams accountable for quitting. Once they establish that if you opt out, if you say we don't want to play because the health and safety of our student, you know, whatever, whether that's a legit excuse or whether they just are like, we don't want to lose any more games. Once it became clear that there were no repercussions for that, that pretty much opened the floodgates. If you're Western Illinois, why would you play? Uh, and even USD, like it's it's to their credit that they wanted to play that last game. And knowing Bob Nielsen, that doesn't surprise me. Wanted to do it. If I was Bob, I would have said, "Yeah, guys, we're not playing this game." Like, sure, I get playing the Jacks. They're a big rival. That's a game. You know, probably would have been a good crowd. Would have felt a little bit more like a, a normal sort of thing. But once that game got canceled, we're one and three. We're not going to the playoffs. There's no. We got a fall season coming up in a few months. Why would you play that game? There's just no reason to do it. So now we're sitting here where it's like there's it's it's a very black and white, you know, haves and have nots. If you're a have not, if you're not in the playoff picture at all, why would you play? Like it's just it's just like be done. Just don't do this. The, the whole thing is falling apart. No one is going to punish you if you back out. So just back out. Just end your season. Get ready for the fall. But if you're South Dakota State, North Dakota State, North Dakota, James Madison, any of these teams that are very firmly in the playoff picture what are you supposed to do quit when you have a chance to win a national championship like regardless of what you think about the legitimacy of that national championship regardless of what a clown show these playoffs are going to be and they probably are going to be it's still going to count you yes. know you've put all this time into the playing these games like some people are like why don't they just cancel this and i get it the whole thing yes it's become a joke but if you're south dakota state any of those schools i just mentioned and a few other ones you've still got a chance you owe it to yourself, to your players, to anybody who cares about this thing to see it through until you can't anymore. So, uh, you know, it's kind of unfortunate because I think on some level, there probably are people, even in the NDSU program, the SDSU program, who are kind of like, really, you know, can we just pull the plug on this shit uh-huh. and get ready for fall? And I wouldn't blame them for thinking that. But again, you've got a chance. This could You could win a national championship. You get into the playoffs and go. I mean, we've seen the Jacks have played very well when they've played. Uh, now they've had three months off to get healthy. I mean, I don't know if that'll you know be too much time or who knows what the games are going to look like when they start up again because everyone's going to have had a month off. But if you're one of those teams that's still in it, you you kind of got to go for it. So we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I think the playoffs are going to start. I don't I don't know if they're going to finish. In fact, I if you made me bet on whether or not there's going to be an FCS national championship game or not, like if you forced my hand, I think I would bet on not. Yeah. Uh, but I do think they're they're at least going to start the playoffs. And then the problem is going to be, like, it's one thing in the regular season to cancel games. It's like, okay, game's canceled. Or even to postpone games. It's like, okay, yes. we'll move back in a couple weeks. But once the playoffs start, you can't be doing that. You can't push back the playoff calendar. Right. Um, so there's going to be forfeits. And then, you know, do you how do you handle that? And what if you get all the way to the national championship game? And let's say it's, you know, North Dakota State against South Dakota State. Let's say that's the national championship game. And then on the Tuesday before the game, one of those teams gets a couple COVID cases. Then what? Forfeit? Someone wins a national championship by forfeit? That sucks for everybody. Uh, do you try to push it back a week? Well, yeah. then, you know, now you're fucking with everybody's, you know, plane reservations and hotels and, um, you know, also, you know, school. And then plus that's another week you're pushing back for your off season. Cause those teams are going to be playing a month longer than everyone else. They got to come back in the fall in, in, in like two months. So that is just like a complete shit show waiting to happen. Yep. So yeah, I think they will probably start the playoffs. Um, I, I hope they finish it. You know, we found a way to get it done. Basketball, some of the other sports. It just, the way things are trending, it just doesn't look good. If they do crown a national champion, do I think it will be an illegitimate national champion? No. Do I think it will be a cheapened national champion? That's harsh, but not as legitimate as in most seasons, as I said last week. If South Dakota State wins a national championship, you can't say, oh, well, this was an asterisk. You could say this was an asterisk year. I wouldn't say necessarily that's an asterisk national championship, but that's stuff we could dive into next week. Assuming they're actually still going to have the season and they're going to have this North Dakota State game, and uh, I, you know, it's that that might finally get some eyeballs. After all this, perhaps people will be engaged once those two teams, if those two teams, 
actually take the field. And uh, then we could really discuss the stuff that people in the Fargo and Bison media talk about, which is uh, they're, they're laughing at Jack fans getting all excited about beating NDSU and winning a national title this year because uh, in that, if that were the case, then it would definitely be an asterisk year and, and uh, <laughs> it would mean shit. And uh, But uh, we'll, we'll get into more of that next week. By the way, the way you described your uh, – your most loyal followers, the people who engage with you on Twitter that actually do care about this uh, this bizarre, not fraudulent, but, uh, you know, just kind of silly spring season we've had. Uh, when you say that, uh, when you made sure to preface with, but these people are, you know, make, you know, <laughs> these people are paying my salary and I appreciate them. You know what that kind of raced me back to? The uh, There's a Saturday Night Live skit. I don't know if you saw it in the mid-80s. Uh, William Shatner hosted, and they did like they yes. they did this skit. You're, you know what I'm talking about? They do they, they like you people. Yeah. Yes, it's a Star Trek convention, and all these yeah. Star Trek nerds like Dana Carvey and John Lovitz are like, "Yes, what was the what was the code on the lock on the the safe in season five, episode twenty one?" And after about three of those, Shatner's just like, "What is wrong with you people? Good God, get a life, you sir. Have you ever even kissed a girl? That's uh." Oh, not just, say- just for the record, you're the one insulting FCS football fans with that comparison. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying, like, if you're William Shatner, it's kind of like, well, dude, uh, I wouldn't complain about how big of nerds they are because uh, it's why you're so rich and it's why you're William Shatner. Anyway, uh, all right. Thank you very much. And uh, not much else to say. We, we said it all without saying it all. And I'm just awkwardly saying this so you can make fun of me and we can end the show. Great finish. Thanks. All right. Talk to you next week. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. (laughs) You guys need another round of drinks? Yes.